Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock Oh, yeah. Good to be back with you. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige is here. Hello. Let's not waste any more time. We got a lot of stories from here in the Hoosier State. Let's crank up some Indiana stuff. Tenderloins, Euchre, <laughs> Basketball, Indiana stuff. So, Nige, I was uh, out yesterday, and yes, Jerry were. Spanglish was in yesterday. Yep. I heard you guys talking a little bit about the Delphi situation. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think you're in the camp of thinking this whole thing is a mess. I think right now it sounds like a mess, but I do like that they aren't going to start this trial until next October. And here's why. It just seems like everything has been a mess up until now, from the crime scene pictures being leaked to the health and the mental acuity of the uh, accused murderer, Richard Allen, to the uh, Richard Allen's lawyers being removed and dismissed. And But all that I, falls I, under the umbrella of the defense, though. Like, And it feels like this is what they wanted to create. Maybe, maybe. But this now, this gives the uh, prosecution enough time to get their ducks in a row to uh, make sure that Abby and Libby are, um, you know, justice. We, we find justice for those girls. My concern, and again, we all knew that this thing was going to be delayed, right? That's not a big surprise. I'm just a little concerned that Richard Allen might not make it until next October. Like, we've seen this before, right? He already looks like he's been deteriorating ever since he's been locked up. And trust me, there's no sympathy uh, if this guy did what he's being accused of. But I want a fair trial. That is the most important thing for me. Of course. I want all the information out there. If cameras are in the courtroom, I want to see everything. And I want these families to feel like they got the trial that they've been waiting for and maybe the closure that they've been waiting for. And if Richard Allen somehow, some way kicks it and doesn't make it until next October, yeah, that's going to be really about, rough for the families. About that aspect. I, I was just thinking more in terms of, you know, getting the the T's crossed and the I's dotted and having everything lined up. If you're the prosecution, you don't want to leave anything, no stone unturned in terms of this case. Right. And in and, and preparing for the defense as well. The families deserve everything to be out there and on the table. No, you know, quirky things happening. And certainly they need Richard Allen to stay healthy until the trial. So wherever he's staying at, I don't want to have a Jeffrey Epstein type of situation of, well, the camera just turned yeah. off and there just happened to be a break where the guards weren't there. No, no. No, no, no. This high profile of a situation makes sure Richard Allen is eating, drinking, working out. He has to make it to next October because this trial, this family, these families, they deserve this trial to be 100% right. Uh, you heard at the news earlier, police in Middletown here in Indiana issued a warning to parents about meth being found and a trick-or-treater's bag. I mean, come on. Really? It's like <laughs> Middletown. Nice job. 
I mean, if you think about it, this isn't like Indy. This isn't Gary. You know, this isn't Fort Wayne. It's not some big, large city in Indiana. It's Middletown. And kids are getting meth in their trick-or-treat bags. Did you guys have a good turnout last night, Nigel? Oh, yeah. We had a bunch of little critters uh, stop by. Our, uh, our, our neighborhood was very active. Uh, up until it got dark, and then when it got really cold, uh, actually it was cold the whole time. <laughs> right. The, when was it the, warm? The, the advantage, <laughs> the one advantage that we had, we uh, as parents uh, have neighbors that have a golf cart. Oh yeah, yeah we've Zion, done that Zion, before. Zionsville is like now become like this golf cart community to where you can put your golf cart on the roads, and you know, especially in the neighborhoods, is fine. But now you can actually go out on main roads, and so we had. About you know, eight people hanging off that thing, going from house to house. Nice. May or may not had a brev- beverage in the uh, Yeti. Understood. Taking along. Understood. I wasn't driving. But um, how about you? We oh, had were you about even awake. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was fine. Um, we had about fifty. And what was wild at our house is that most of them came when like the sun went down. Because the sun goes down pretty early now, but it was around 6.30 to 7.30, that little window, that's when we got most of the kids. There was a point in the day yesterday, I thought that we would have to go back out and get more candy, but we had just enough, man, and hats off. I was pleasantly surprised. I like seeing a lot of trick-or-treaters in the neighborhood, man. I think it's a cool thing. Well... And and here's the thing, I didn't, I wasn't around our house because we were following the kids around. But the but we had a lot of left candy left over. So maybe I'm thinking we didn't have as many as you did. The the in laws, my wife's parents, were answering the door. Right. We were following the kiddos around. Yeah, I texted uh, you and Rob, and now Rob lives in a place where there's not a lot of foot traffic, so I get that. But uh, we had a good turnout, considering as cold as it was. You know, this this story about um, Middletown and one of the trick-or-treaters' bag being tested for, uh, you know, meth, positive for meth. We had a story yesterday about how, um, I think this is in Wisconsin, uh, like a nail was embedded into a Tootsie Roll. Oh, come on. And I was more concerned that these a-holes were giving out Tootsie Rolls. <laughs> I'll take the nail. At least that's something I could use. You and Tony Katz both rip on Tootsie Rolls, but I'm telling you Ugh. something. I could take a bunch of Tootsie Rolls, shove them in my mouth like a baseball player used to do, like to chew, and just <laughs> sit there and be all right. Like it's Red Man tobacco? Yeah. Load that thing up with like the chocolate Tootsie Roll, and I'm in business. I have never heard of anybody doing that. The only time I eat Tootsie Rolls is when we order, um, oh, what's the pizza place? I just had it. There's a pizza place that every time they deliver a uh, hot box. Okay. Hot box pizza. Tootsie Rolls come in every uh, pizza box. Meanwhile, down in B-Town, Bloomington, IU has placed another fraternity on the list for cease and desist. Kappa Alpha Psi fraternity placed on the list for hazing. Now, if this sounds like a familiar story, I believe this is the fifth fraternity to be placed on the cease and desist list down at IU for hazing. Well... I'm surprised they still do. They still haze. Is that still a thing in this day and age in college where everybody is so sensitive? You start crying if you call somebody the wrong pronoun. <laughs> but they're still. Are, are they still like you know taping your butt shut with duct tape and tying your hands behind your back and making you drink a half gallon of vodka? Uh, that was know? the Breakfast Club mixed with uh, the way <laughs> right. Nigel was uh, baptized at Ball State, I believe, that semester you went. 
Uh, but yeah, I don't know what they're doing, but they got busted. They got caught. And you're right, especially Indiana, IU. Like that's like the woke capital of Indiana. Oh, yeah. And they're down there doing hazing and surprise, surprise, they got in trouble. Which brings us to great moments in fighting to save your frat house history. <laughs> Here is the movie PCU. Yes. Last night, my house threw a party. And I thought that we all finally got along. We had a good time. But we got so many protests, we broke so many rules, and we got booted off campus. You know, it used to be the administration's job to make rules. It used to be us against them. Now it's us against us. I've been here for seven years, and i got to tell you guys, what's going on here is about America. It's about democracy. It's about the Bill of Rights and basic cable, call waiting, and free trips to the salad bar. It's about everything that makes this country great. Our country. We can do something about this. We can finally say that when some people are having a good time and drinking some beers, throwing some meat, that we're not going to protest. <laughs> Drinking some beer, throwing some meat. <laughs> How about when Poindexter from the Lambda 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 <laughs> fraternity pointed out to you and Jefferson they had to accept them based on the bylaws? As you know, we have no chapter at Adams College, which is why I've agreed to see you. But I must tell you, gentlemen, you have very little chance of becoming trilanders. I'm in a difficult situation here. I mean, after all, you're nerds. <laughs> According to your bylaws, you'd have to take us on a 60-day trial basis. I beg your pardon? According to your bylaws... He's right, Yuan. Any group that petitions can become a probationary trial and chapter. Great moments in trying to save your frat house history. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Look at you. A very healthy, a very polyp-free Jason Hammer. Very clean. Feeling good, man. Got the old scope up the tuchus yesterday, huh? Man, I can see why Michael Jackson loved that propofol. (laughs) I can see why he loved that propofol. Because one minute, I'm laying on my side with my bare butt cheeks facing a doctor, kind of looking at the the, table in front of me. Yeah. Next thing I know, I wake up, I'm in the recovery room, and I've got zero polyps, baby. Nice. All clean. As a matter of fact, they said my butt was so clean you could eat out of it. Ooh, you're going to make me sick. You could put a stake in my anus, Nigel, and you could dig What's wrong in. with you? It's that clean. Please. The one embarrassing thing with me is when I woke up, they had, kind of had me sitting up, and I, you know, they had me sitting on some sort of, um, uh, you know, bed with some some like some paper underneath to catch the leakage. Oh, yeah. That, that, that was the only embarrassing Did you have some leakage? Yeah, I had a little bit of leakage. A little, well. little off-color uh, leakage uh, <laughs> sleeping out there. So, um, But I had three polyps, too. So oh. that means i got to go back in a couple of years. But none of those polyps ended up being anything no, cancerous. Uh-uh. No, but I took them out anyway. And that's the whole thing. And we joke around about it, but it is important for dudes, well, men and women, to both get um, uh, their you know, regular checkups for colonoscopies. So a buddy of ours is Joe Stasniak. Used to work here a long time. And his friend is John Andretti, the late, great John Andretti. After he passed away from colon cancer, they started this big program, Check It for Andretti. 
and I was at the age where it's time to get it checked. I didn't know what to expect, and I'm glad that I did it. It's like a cattle call almost at some of these places. It's like they, they get you one right after the other, one right after the other, in and out, in and out, in and out. They've got it down to a science. They try to get as many in as a day. I remember when the cutoff age, like they used to say 50 was the age. Right. You know, if, if, you're, if you're younger than 50, don't worry about it. But somehow it went down to 45. Yeah, and I am 46 now, and because I am polyp-free, I don't have to go back for 7 to 10 years. 7 to 10. Right. Yeah, yeah, 7 to 10 is the window, which if you give me the option, I'm going 10. <laughs> don't tell me 7 to 10. They expect me to sign yeah. up for 7. What about the uh, prep? So the prep wasn't that bad. Like the way I that hated it, they had us do it was I had 64 ounces of Gatorade mixed with all the stuff and you had to break them down into eight ounce servings and then you drank that eight ounces every 15 minutes well that's fine that's like me playing century club with beers you know I'm a champion at that right but toward the end when there was about two bottles left I was tired of drinking that damn Gatorade mixture yeah, so basically within a span of a few hours you drink two quarts of what you, know, you get a quart of milk or yeah. whatever you get to two quarts of that gatorade stuff and that mixture and those pills that you had to take the dulcolax right and i was concerned because nothing had triggered if you know what i'm saying for a while <laughs> and i'm sitting there and i was watching the pacers game and going back and forth between the world series and everything and i was like man this this isn't working. Am I doing this right? Did I put enough stuff in there? But once I broke the seal, kind of like when you're on a road trip, you can get in your car from Indianapolis and make it to Tennessee without having to stop to pee. You know, that's your bladder. Right. But the same concept. Okay. <laughs> once you break the seal, you're going every five minutes. Same concept with the colon. Once okay. I sat down and had that Jeff Daniels style dumb and dumber <laughs> blowout. Yeah. It was on, and then <laughs> I went to sleep, woke up a few times, had to waddle to the can, oh, yeah. uh, do that kind of thing. But, what was your first meal? Uh, we did a pickup order from Applebee's. And what'd you get? Uh, chicken fingers oh, and yeah. mashed potatoes oh, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. you hadn't eaten for 24 to 40, probably 30 hours by the time you went to Applebee's. For and sure. then went home and uh, passed out Halloween candy throughout the evening, man, and you it was cool. You did no, I did. I, I fell asleep. I took a four-hour nap. Now I got up uh, way earlier. My mine was at like at seven o'clock in the morning, so I went back to bed. Yeah, when I got home. I didn't have to be there until eleven. So, but seriously, dudes, if you're at the age, yeah. it ain't nothing. Ain't no thing but a chicken wing. Go in there, get it done. You'll wake up feeling like a million bucks, and just do that walk of shame going out of there, like women have done in years past. All right. Um. So. Any interesting costumes show up at your house, trick-or-treat-wise? No. Like I said, uh, uh, I mean, there were some interesting ones. None stand out to me. Uh, my uh, son was Oogie Boogie from uh, A Nightmare Before Christmas. The nice. Nightmare Before Christmas. He nice. Won a, he, won a, uh, he won a spookiest uh, award f uh, for oh, really? the, uh, the Neighborhood Halloween Contest. There so, was a Neighborhood Award program? Well, uh, last weekend we had, uh, last weekend we had like a Neighborhood Contest, so. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, um, there's a story from Connecticut about <laughs> some woman who had a pretty interesting display out in her yard, and somebody, like I'd imagine it's the same type of community thing that you have, Nige, they wrote a nasty letter to this woman and they posted it on her door 
claiming that the images of witches were offensive and scary and give nightmares to the children in the Shut neighborhood. Up. What? That's what that's what Halloween is. Right. Witch, witches and skeletons, skeletons and ghosts and bodies and yeah, that's what Halloween's supposed to be. But how many stories did we have this past month where somebody's display was offensive to somebody and they got their feelings hurt? So this Karen in the neighborhood wrote a sternly worded letter and put it on her door. Which brings us to great moments in letter writing history. You and I <laughs> once had a letter writing campaign, Nige. Right. This was a number of years ago when Indianapolis was on the short list of possible cities the new Amazon headquarters could move to. We started a letter writing campaign to Jeff Bezos, not only pitching the city of Indianapolis, but ripping some of the other finalists like Boston. Dear Jeff Bezos, thanks so much for selecting Indy as a finalist for your second corporate headquarters. We think Indy is a great choice, much better than some of the other cities on your list, like Boston, the birthplace of the baked bean fart. <laughs> Even though Boston is home to some of the country's finest universities, it's also home to Ben Affleck and the Wahlberg brothers. So things can get pretty dumb pretty quickly. <laughs> Putting your shiny new Amazon facility next to a smelly and polluted harbor makes about as much sense as getting into a car and taking a ride with Ted Kennedy. What Boston oh. lacks with their oh. awful weather and awful food, they make up with their awful, awful people like John Kerry and Tom Brady. <laughs> the last things you want your employees to worry about are attacks from Frankenstein-looking presidential losers or crybabies who want to deflate your employees' balls. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time. Sincerely, The Hammer and Nigel Show. Great moments in letter-writing history. It's The Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Again, a big shout-out to Spanglish, Jerry Lopez, for filling in yesterday. He was good. Thank you so much. Uh, my name is Jason Hammer. That is Big Nige. Hey and we've reached that point in the afternoon where it's time to sit back, crack open a cold one, and check in with wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss stealing Joe Biden. I got hairy legs. I've lost my Johnson. <laughs> We're on track to cut First Lady in half. So if you look up Joe Biden's name as to why it's trending, why it's all over social media and the dark places of the interwebs today, Nige, it's because House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer said that Joe Biden received $40,000 and laundered money from China. Mm. China! They've got the proof of it. So James Comer, the head of the Oversight Committee, put out a video on social media earlier today. I'm going to break this down into a couple different segments here so we're all on the same page. This is James Comer. Remember when Joe Biden told the American people that his son didn't make any money in China? My son has not made money in terms of this thing about, uh, what are you talking about, China. Well, 
Not only did he lie about his son Hunter making money in China, but it also turns out that $40,000 in laundered China money landed in Joe Biden's bank account in the form of a personal check. And the Oversight Committee has it. Here's how Joe Biden benefited from his family's shady deal with CEFC, a Chinese Communist Party-linked company. It all began with a shakedown in the summer of 2017 when Hunter Biden sent a message to his CEFC associate demanding a $10 million capital payment. (laughs) As Hunter Biden extorted this associate, Hunter claimed he was sitting with his father and that the Biden network would turn on his associate if he didn't pony up the money. The extortion scheme worked. Days later, $5 million flowed in from a Chinese affiliate of CEFC. Imagine that. And imagine all the distractions that are going on in the world right now. And uh, the House Oversight Committee just keeps plodding along, bringing more evidence that Joe Biden is one of the most corrupt presidents in history. By the way, just a side note before we move on, because I know we have some more clips. I'm on CNN.com right now. Nothing. 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 Nothing about I mean, this would be grade A number one lead story, no matter what was going on in the world, if it was Donald Trump. Oh, everybody on The View would be like doing backflips right now. Joy Behar would be in a yeah. little chair spinning herself around in a circle <laughs> to get dizzy to pass out from joy. Um, here's a little bit more from the House Oversight Committee about the trail of money. Over the following three weeks, Biden family members made a series of complicated financial transactions to hide the source of the China money. First, Northern International Capital, a Chinese company associated with CEFC, wired $5 million to Hudson West 3, a joint venture established by Hunter Biden and a CEFC associate. Then Hudson West 3 sent $400,000 to an entity owned and controlled by Hunter Biden. Next, Hunter Biden wired $150,000 to Lion Hall Group, a company owned by James and Sarah Biden, Sarah Biden then withdrew $50,000 in cash from Lion Hall Group. Mm. Later the same day, she deposited it into her and James Biden's personal checking account. A few days later, Sarah Biden cut a check to Joe Biden for $40,000. The memo line of the check said loan repayment. Loan repayment. So you guys see how this is working, right? They get the dirty China money. It goes into one shell account allegedly owned by the Bidens. Then it goes into another one owned by a different Biden. And then it goes into another one. And then ultimately, the big guy gets his cut. It's unbelievable. I'm on MSNBC.com right now. Zero, nothing. In fact, Donald Trump is the lead story on MSNBC because he because of the trial and the, the fraud stuff in New York and Trump Jr. having to testify. It's all Donald Trump on MSNBC. <laughs> Here's how Comer brought it all together. Unbelievable. Even if this $40,000 check was a loan repayment from James Biden, loan for what? it still shows how Joe benefited from his family cashing in on his name with money from China, no less. Without his family peddling his name and his son threatening a CEFC associate with consequences that he said Joe Biden knew about, James wouldn't have had the money to write the $40,000 check to his brother Joe. It's also worth remembering that Biden family efforts to secure millions from this Chinese company began when Joe Biden was still vice president. In taking funds sourced to a CCP-linked company that wanted to advance China's interests, Joe Biden exposed himself to future blackmail and put America's interests 
behind his own desire for money. I mean, Biden, the blackmail, uh, the extortion of, I mean, he said it live on uh, TV uh, when he was still vice president, firing the uh, the Ukrainian prosecutor that was going after Burisma, the energy company that Hunter Biden was a part of. All these stories it's, are the it's, same. It's all connected. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a spider web. It all leads back to Joe Biden, the big guy. All of these stories... They involve the same pieces to it, right? It's Hunter Biden asking for some ridiculous amount of money and then trying to be Johnny Tough Guy and shake him down because he knows daddy over here, yeah. the vice president at the time, will make it all better. Then they bring in some other Bidens to make sure that the money goes through multiple channels before it comes back to the big guy getting his cut. Uh, we're checking in with Joe Biden and Newsweek. Again, this is not a conservative friendly outlet newsweek points out that joe biden's approval rating remains unfavorable as we get ready into the big election season of 2024 53.8 percent say joe biden has a disapproval number disapproving rate of 53.8 only 40.1 percent approve of joe biden's job 40 percent that approve (laughs) Was his I mean, brother and Hunter in the, <laughs> the polling here? 53.8 is a big disapproval number, though. That's pretty staggering. And honestly, I'm surprised it's not bigger. So while that's going on with the president, the vice president, Kamala Harris, your border czar, <laughs> she's over in the UK. She's speaking in London at this big event designed to discuss the challenges of AI. This is a moment of profound opportunity. The benefits of AI are immense. It could give us the power to fight the climate crisis. Oh, okay. Uh, So uh, learning how to manage AI is going to fight the climate crisis, according to your borders are. I'm sorry, is there a climate crisis? Did she explain what crisis there is going on right now? Was she able to elaborate on the existential threat that is climate change? Okay, I'll give you some crossfire here. Do you want her to? Do you <laughs> well, want her to explain anything, Nige? Maybe we do for our show because it's always yeah, comedy gold. I was going to say, that would make us for some good content. Um, Elon Musk sat down with Joe Rogan for a big interview. Saw this that. is kind of on the heels of the one-year anniversary of Elon Musk firing everybody and taking over Twitter. And I can't believe it's been a year. Wow. And a lot of things came up in this conversation. Elon Musk on big Democrat donor George Soros. I mean, Soros actually, you know, he is, I believe, the top contributor to the Democratic Party. Um, The second one was uh, Sam Sam Bankman Freed. (laughs) (laughs) So, and and Soros, I don't know. I mean, he had a very difficult upbringing. um, And, uh, I, in my opinion, he fundamentally hates humanity. That's my opinion. I mean, wow. well, he's doing things that erode the fabric of civilization. You know, uh, getting DAs elected who refuse to prosecute crime. That's part of the problem in San Francisco and L.A. and much other cities. So why would you do that? Was it humanity or is it just the United States as a whole? I mean, I mean he's pushing things places. in other countries, too. He's doing the same here. thing? Yeah. Yeah, I got so bad in San Francisco that Soros installed prosecutor got recalled. 
And Everybody here in Indianapolis was. is like, how do you do that? <laughs> how did you guys pull that off? Because we're stuck with Baldy over here that just slaps a bracelet on somebody and then throws a basketball camp and hopes nobody gets shot. Um, here's a little bit from that conversation. Elon Musk speaking with Joe Rogan about just how far left Twitter really was. By the way, Jack didn't really know know this, but the degree to which Twitter was simply um, an arm of the government was not well understood by the public. And uh, it, it was, there was no, it was whatever the official government, I mean, it was like Pravda, basically. Um, you know, it's a state publication is the way to think of old Twitter. It's a state publication. Um, any, any views that would even, I would say, could be considered middle of the road. Um, but certainly anything on the, the right, I'm not talking about like, like far right, I'm just talking mildly right. The people, like Republicans were suppressed at 10 times the rate of Democrats. Now, that's because uh, old wow. Twitter was fundamentally controlled by the far left. It was like completely controlled by the, the, the far left. Are you shocked by this? Are you surprised? No, because we already knew this. Right. Did you hear? I mean, you, you hear the. I don't know if you heard the comparison there. He compared old Twitter to Pravda. You know what Pravda is? You guys remember Pravda, the Soviet and Russian newspaper, a state owned, state sponsored Soviet newspaper that was putting out propaganda. You know, there, there are some people that lose their jobs, like in the tech industry or even in our industry in broadcasting. You're like, man, that really sucks because yeah. they got to go home and tell their family that what happened and it totally blows. We've been fired before, Nige. We know what it's like. I don't feel bad at all for the people that got fired at Twitter because they got a golden parachute, first of Probably. all. And second of all, they were some of the most rotten people on the face of the earth, the do-gooders that used to run Twitter before Elon Musk took over, Agrawal, and some of the other folks that kicked yeah. off Donald Trump. I hope they never work in media again. And this is coming from somebody that's been hired and fired by the best. I hope they never work <laughs> again. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Show. This is a family in Great Britain, Hammer. They bought Grandma a wheelchair, right? So that was the gift that they bought her. That was the gift. Great gift, right? <laughs> they probably should have thought that one through because here she is properly telling them to, quote, shove that where the bloody sun don't shine. Oh. I hope you got I'm like that when I'm that old. <laughs> you know I'm going to be. I love her. Uh, I love her spirit. I like it. I like it a lot. Poor Nige when he gets that age. Okay, Grandpa, let's get some whiskey <laughs> in you and get you right to bed. <laughs> yeah, that's not an ideal gift you buy somebody. Well, she's really not going to like this cane that we got her for her birthday either. Did you put a big red bow on it? I don't know. Uh, did you see these numbers? Fox News crushing CNN, MSNBC, during a very heavy news month of October, where you had a lot of different yeah. storylines, The Five remains the most watched show in cable news. So it looks like, Nige, yeah. Fox has survived the Tucker Carlson exodus. Yeah, so much for um, yeah, the, bringing the uh, network down after his exit.
Seems like only yesterday Tucker was let go of Fox and then AI Tucker started joining us on our show. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Oh, that's right. I don't have a job anymore. Why is that, I wonder? Golly, lots of other people have jobs. Absolutely terrible people. People who are beyond repugnant. How about the board of directors at Fox News Corporation? (laughs) The money that they've paid out in sexual harassment claims against certain executives and hosts at that network is greater than the annual GDP of most major countries. (laughs) But do they still have jobs? Yes, they do. How about Joe Biden? The cost of living under his administration of nincompoops is up 15% since President (laughs) Poopy Pants took office. Thousands of illegal immigrants are flooding the southern border every day. Crime is through the roof. And despite the pooper-in-chief's vigorous assurances that we were going to cure cancer, that's yet to happen. Meanwhile, the president's son, the prolific blow artist, Hunter Biden, has been accused of everything except sniffing bicycle seats. But do Hunter and the big guy still have gainful employment? Yes, they do. How about radio station WIBC in Indianapolis? <laughs> Nigel Laskowski, or whatever the hell his name is, he can barely get through a segment without vomiting live on the air, probably because he's drunk. Of course, that's only on the rare day that he decides to come to work and do the afternoon drive show with his fat-ass co-host, Jason Hammer. Yeah, Hammer. I called you fat. Fat. Fat, fatty, fatty, fat, fat. What are you going to do about it? Not a damn thing. You're just going to sit there like the Jenny Craig dropout you are and forcibly pass gas into the seat of a chair that used to be occupied by Mike Pence. Aren't you donut dimples? Seems like only yesterday, AI Tucker became part of the Hammer and Nigel show. Top stories next. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock so who was it? Was it Eric on the stand? No, it was Donald. It was Don Jr. in court today in that uh, Trump family tax fraud case. You know where they Letitia James, the Attorney General, there was basically saying that uh, the Trumps overvalued their assets to, in order to borrow a bunch of money from the banks, money which got paid back. Nobody Specifically, Mar a Lago was what yeah, they're claiming. Right, exactly. Uh, so yeah, it was Don Jr. on the stand today, and then Eric Trump. Of course, we've had him on the show before. Really good interview. Um, he was. Um, he even said in his reading his deposition here that he was uh, involved uh, in the Trump organization operations at a very macro level. He was heavily involved in some of the valuation of several assets at issue here. So I think it's all BS. Any lawyer would look at this and say, wow, this is really ridiculous. And it's obviously that they're trying to, you know, uh, just get at Donald Trump. One more thing here. Just one, add it to the list. The thing that's important to point out here, the bank didn't complain. The bank got their money. The bank was fine. Mar-a-Lago, fine. But when you run to be an elected official or an appointed official on going after Donald Trump, you've got to figure out some way to do it. Well, that was Letitia James. In fact, you know, she was going to run for the the governor of New York until she stepped back and said, no, I think I'd rather go after Donald Trump instead, in so many words. So the old man took to Truth Social. And this was in the wee hours of the morning, so you know it was good. Uh, Quote, Letitia James before Trump and (laughs) developer-hating judge Arthur Engeron 
which should have never been brought in to this so-called star witness sleazebag lawyer Michael Cohen admitted last week on the stand that he lied and that your favorite president, Donald J. Trump, or anyone from the Trump organization never told him to inflate values of financial statements, the opposite of what he told the attorney general in order to get this hoax started. Therefore, on that fact alone, this fake case should be dismissed. Yeah, Michael Cohen's a fraud and a disgrace and a criminal and a convict and a, uh, you know, um, a felon. And what's funny is people like Michael Cohen and now, you know, Jenna Ellis and Mark Meadows, these are the people that were being investigated early on. You can't trust them. Don't believe a word they say. And now that they flipped, we have to believe every word they say. <laughs> Anyway. Michael Cohen, by the way, uh, the fixer. He was Trump's fixer right? back in the day. And busted for lying in yes. court. Yes. Like, that's not hyperbole. That happened. Here's a little bit more from Donald Trump on Truth Social. Quote, the financial statements, values are conservative. Mar-a-Lago is worth much more than $18 million. There is a 100% disclaimer clause on the first page of the statements the banks and insurance companies were paid in full, no defaults. They all made money. And there is no victim except for me. Leave my children alone. You are a disgrace to the legal profession. So the old man taking the dad role here saying, listen, you want to bring in my kids, that's fine. This whole thing is a joke. Everybody got their money. What are we doing? You're wasting everyone's time. The fact that the judge said that Mar-a-Lago, you know, the $18 million um, valuation of his place in Florida is absolutely ridiculous. It's got to be worth five times that much. Right, right. But this is just one way for a lot of people to try to humiliate Donald Trump and to placate a base. Again, there's a lot of elected officials and appointed officials who promised, even if it was all bullcrap, they were going to go after Donald Trump. Now, in another case, because you have to keep them separate when you're talking about Trump right now. In another case, the one in Washington, D.C., uh, the judge, Tanya Chutkin, has reinstated the gag order. Now, this is the election subversion case where they claim Donald Trump was trying to overthrow an election. They've put the gag order back in effect. And even Eric Holder former Democrat attorney general is starting to see what's happening here. Some of these folks on the left, the really radical portion of the left, they're going so far that they're making Donald Trump more popular. They're making him stronger. Take a listen yeah. here to Eric Holder. I think there are a number of things you put monetary fines on him, as the judge did um, in New York, uh, perhaps restrict his ability to use truth social. Um, you know, I don't, a number of things. I try to be as creative as possible if I were the judge, but I'd be extremely reluctant to take um, a person who's a former president, the leading candidate on um, one of our major parties, and, and actually put him in jail. Yeah, I mean, this is already a pretty divided nation, and to uh, do something like that, to take somebody off the campaign trail, uh, to put him in jail, uh, I, I just would be very reluctant, uh, really reluctant to do that. That's fancy talk for you're going to make him more popular. <laughs> Stop. What are you doing, you morons? It's, it's, one of the things the judge is doing is he's blocked Trump's and his lawyers from seeing the federal prosecutor's evidence ahead of the federal election 
interference trial, which is crazy. Wait, they're allowed to see all this evidence. They say it's classified, so Trump's not allowed to see it. It's nuts. Listen, I'm no Eric Holder fan, but he sees the end game here. Like these morons, they're going to just go so far to go after Donald Trump. They're all but guaranteeing that he wins the election. And Holder's like, eh, I don't know if we need to be putting gag orders and locking people up here. Let's just uh, let things ride out a little bit. Uh, Last night on Jesse Waters' show, Clay Travis jumped on, and I agree with this. Like, if you're Donald Trump, just keep talking. If they put a gag order on, just keep talking because it's making you stronger. Getting arrested before the trials even begin and getting put in jail would 1 billion percent be beneficial to him because it delegitimizes all of the already illegitimate trials if they're putting him in prison before they even do anything. I would be goading. I would be trying to get these judges to put me in jail at this point if I were Trump because I think it benefits him if they just go ahead and put him in prison. Trump is winning everything in these legal battles and I think Trump is absolutely in control here because they can fine him five or ten grand who cares but I think he keeps pushing the envelope I think just pointing out that that Judge Chutkin is already decided that he needs to be in prison and that she has no business whatsoever actually sitting for this trial and that he welcomes her trying to put him in prison because she has no ability to do it calling out her lack of power i think that might be the ultimate trigger for her yeah trump hasn't shut up at all he isn't paying attention in a gag order screw a gag order 10 grand what i say last week he spends that much a week in mcdonald's right like, just drop off a check for two million bucks and say, let me know when I'm up. Here's a retainer for all the crap that I'm going to say the next month about this ridiculous process. Um, looking at some of the new primary poll numbers here, this is the first polling without Mike Pence. So I want to see oh. who gets his six voters. Um, Donald Trump, 61%. Ooh, wow. Ron DeSantis, 13%. Big gap. And then it drops off to Nikki Haley and Ramaswamy tied at seven. And then you're also Rands, Chris Christie, Tim Scott. Man, I honestly expected a lot more out of Tim Scott in his campaign. Happy warrior. Love that guy. But man, 2% right now. He's looking up at Chris Christie in this new GOP primary poll. And then Doug, Asia Hutchinson, somebody else is polling at 2%. (laughs) That's what it says in the polls. Someone else? Somebody wrote in D's nuts. <laughs> and they're probably polling uh, at least higher than Hutchinson and Burgum, and not the same oh, wow. as Tim Scott. Ever and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this. Anything. All right, let's rock and roll. Yeah, Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I am going to run a few stories by you. You break down all the information that's been presented and give us a final verdict. Is the story anything or not? There's a guy in San Francisco named Steve, but everybody's calling him Dollarita Steve (laughs) because of what he was doing during an earthquake last Friday. Here is Dollarita Steve telling his amazing tale. 
I was just slamming some Dollaritas up at the Applebee's and uh, with my <laughs> friends, and it was a it was a big shake. It was only like probably a couple seconds, but it was real. Everyone like stopped talking. Yeah, it was it was heavy. It was a big one. It was a three point nine. Ooh, that's heavy. All right, fair enough. That's a good one. Yeah, that, that's definitely one of the bigger ones I felt. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, appreciate it. All right, Dollaritas back. Dollaritas, Steve from Applebee's. Yeah. I love it, Carl. Can you play that one? Just play the beginning one more time. I, I want to hear him say it. <laughs> Hanging out at the Applebee's. I was just slamming some Dollaritas up at the Applebee's and uh, with my friends. <laughs> and they... Just slamming some Dollaritas up at the Applebee's. A little slur, slight slur oh my going God. on. Now, I'm looking at this guy. We, I now follow Steve Mazzari. That's his name, Dollarita Steve. I now follow him on Twitter. He's got uh, 1,900 followers. He's trending on, on, uh, on X, and he's even got a cameo now. Quote, Hey, people, the Dollarita might be over, but I'm not done being an attention-whoring ass. <laughs> I set up a Cameo account and will be donating and will be doing dollar cameos. <laughs> Get it? Dolly, dollaros, dollar, whatever. He's trying to make some sort of stupid joke. Dollar cameos from Dollarita Steve. I think it'd be worth it. <laughs> I think I kind of want one. <laughs> I want a Dollarita and I want a cameo from Steve. The dude is, uh, like, he's... He's cut. He's in shape. He's no. This isn't some fatty at the bar at Applebee's taking advantage of the Dollaritas. He is. Uh, he's a good-looking guy. But if you listen to that clip, though, no, there is a little slur at the beginning. So, well, Dollaritas. Cheryl back there making the drinks, yeah. putting a little something extra in there some, some dollarita you enjoyed some applebee's last night after your colonoscopy i did i didn't uh, go in to eat we got it carry out so i didn't enjoy the dollaritas uh, but uh yeah yeah man i enjoy some applebee's i'm a chain restaurant guy i know a lot of people don't like that but man if you're going on the road and you don't really know where to go you know what you're getting with an Applebee's. You know what you're getting yes. with a Chili's, right? Yes. Like when I go to these cities to watch my son, you know, his college team, you know, bowl and do all that stuff. I don't know what I'm going to get at Mom and Pop's House of Grits, <laughs> but I know what I'm going to get at Applebee's. And by the way, those aren't like there's something to be said for local establishments and eating sure. local. Um, I'm not hating them, no. But the, there are local people that work in the national franchises, restaurants right. as well. They're so you're providing jobs. Them out. Right. Now, like, I know Ruth's Chris is like a national chain, but it's still damn good. I love St. Elmo, too, but don't get me wrong. But the, 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 these are all local people, local bartenders that are working the in the, you know, the franchises. Do you feel like like national chain type of places are sometimes cleaner? And the reason I ask is, like, if you've ever watched Bar Rescue with John Tapper. Oh, man. Tapper. And he gets to some of these places and their kitchen in the oh, back. Yeah. It's, it'll make it throw up. Like rats in the fryer, the deep fryer. Right. Yeah. Grease that's been on there since the Reagan administration. Like, I just don't know if that's the same level of filth you get no. at a place like, <laughs> you know, Chili's or Applebee's or Man, something I like that. I haven't been to Chili's for, I can't remember the last time I've been to Chili's. It's got it had to have been a decade. Chili's screwed I, I, up by changing their chicken crispers. They changed them because I love the chicken crispers. Yeah, it's something different now. It used to be like the a different type, and they were awesome, and they totally screwed the pooch, man. Mm, I don't know if I'm buying it or not. Maybe I'll maybe maybe that'll be a goal of mine this week. Those are my goals that I had this week. <laughs> Here's my two goals: not to drink until until beer sample Friday. I'm trying to cut down on the empty calories. Okay. And my other goal chilies chicken crispers i think you're going to reach one of those goals <laughs>
As I as I'm complaining about my caloric intake <laughs> from beer, I turn around in the same breath and say, "But I do want to get the chicken crispers from Chili's." <laughs> Is this anything? A West Virginia dentist suggesting that it's better for the kids to eat their full bag of Halloween candy in one night <laughs> than stretch it out over multiple days. It's much better for your teeth if you sit down and eat your full bag of Halloween candy at one time. I know it's going to upset your belly rather than we're going to hang on to this for the next couple months and every couple hours we're going to get in there and get some kind of candy out. That is probably the worst medical advice I've ever heard in my life. Medical or dental? Because I think there's dental, two different things Whatever. Here. I mean, you're going to turn it into a medical situation if you eat a bag full of chocolate. Like you haven't eaten a bag full of chocolate. I've never eaten a bag full of chocolate. But but she's right. I mean, the candy lasts for weeks at my house, and eventually we end up dumping it. Uh, But that is the worst piece of advice I've ever heard. I would never – her name's Dr. Olivia Mason. Yeah, you're better off just eating the entire giant sack of sugar in one sitting. So there's nothing to the theory that – you're going to punish your teeth for one night as opposed to doing it every single night for a month? I would probably maybe just suggest brushing your teeth every night. Well, yeah, agreed. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I'm not as anti this dentist as you are. You yeah, know what I'm you not. are? You're an anti-dentite. <laughs> nice Seinfeld reference there. Thank I you. like it. Is this anything? Ever wonder why there aren't any more Ozfests? And nope. I'm asking you specifically, Nige, because you're the only one that would be wondering why there aren't <laughs> any more Ozfests. Yeah, they they were popular back in the day. They began in 1996, and they ended in 2018. On the new version of the Osbournes podcast, Sharon Osborne tells the rest of the family why Ozfest, the big music festival, no longer exists. All the bands were our mates, but the managers were greedy. And for some reason, they thought that we were making billions billions on it. And we weren't. We made a profit, but it was not like we couldn't retire on it. Managers and agents wanted more and more and more. And it just wasn't cost effective anymore. So is that ultimately why OzFest? Years and years ago, one of the bands, it was the second OzFest we did, or the third, wouldn't go on stage until I agreed to give them $10,000 more. And they were holding everything up. And I said, of course, of course, I'll give it you. What band? Say it. Say it, Danzig. And then I didn't give them the money. They went on played and I went, f*** you. You signed a contract, your agent agreed it, and you're just gouging. It's always these managers that screw things up for these rock bands. It's never the the bands. It's the managers. And good for her. I thought she was going to tell them, like, what what an a-hole Glenn Danzig is. I'm not taking the stage until you give me $10,000. Okay, sure, whatever. And then she tells him to F off afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that's something. That's an interesting story. I uh, went to a few OzFests back in my day. They rocked. Who um, were some of the bands that played OzFest? Do you God remember? Smack, Disturbed. I had a really good interview with Dave Draymond, from, uh, the lead singer from Disturbed. I love that guy. He's really smart. That got, I think he's got like a three college degrees. Um, but yeah, those were fun back in the day. And that's not for the casual concert goer. Like you're in the yeah. mosh pit of Ozfest. Right. You're in. Right. You're in you're it in to trouble. win it. You're, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel show. Man, oh man, there are some fireworks in the Senate. Josh Hawley, I believe, the senator from the great state of Missouri. He doesn't like 
DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Alejandro, Alejandro! There are some folks that when they get into a feud, it's just business and it's nothing personal. But then there are some folks that just don't like each other. Like Rand Paul hates Dr. Fauci. And I feel like Josh Hawley can't stand Mayorkas. He's inept. He's incompetent. He deserves to be impeached. The border is wide open. That's one of his jobs is to protect the American people. And we have no idea who's coming through our border right now. And especially with this uh, Israel and Hamas war, I'm... Man, I'm looking over my shoulder a lot, you know? And the feud here was on the heels of Mayorkas speaking in a Senate hearing late yesterday. So here you're going to hear Missouri Senator Josh Hawley claims that a whistleblower told him that Homeland Security staffers are being pulled off of serious cases like drug running, human trafficking, so that they can make sandwiches for the illegals crossing the border. What? Take a listen. She said that they're being taken off of fentanyl interdiction, off of child exploitation cases, off of their other investigations into criminals to make sandwiches. That's her quote. You're saying that this is a lie? That she's wrong? Uh, Senator, um, we have a number of law enforcement priorities with the resources. He's making sandwiches one of them? We (laughs) have, uh, of course not, Senator. We accomplish a tremendous amount. Is she wrong? Because of the tremendous talent and dedication of our personnel, including uh, Homeland Security investigators. Making sandwiches for, for illegal immigrants. Is she wrong? This is one of your agents. Is she wrong? She says that there are 600 at least special agents pulled off of other cases, sent down to the border to babysit illegal immigrants. Is she wrong? Uh, Senator, um, our personnel, we use our personnel to achieve the maximum law enforcement objective possible. Ah. That is what we do. And so you're I'm not going to deny it. And I'm incredibly proud of yeah. what our people do well, this every is news. single day. Yeah, he, this he, is news. He, he, he didn't deny it. No. If I, mean, if I was my orcas and that wasn't true, I'd be like... No, that's ridiculous. What are you talking about? We're not making sandwiches. (laughs) We're overwhelmed down here. Is it too much to ask for the illegal immigrants to make their own sandwiches? I mean, can there be like a buffet line or something? We got vets on the corner of this country, people who have served our United States military. Nobody's making them sandwiches. No. Unbelievable. that, That for him to not sit there and totally deny that accusation, I'm I believe every word of Hawley's whistleblower. And as the late, great Billy Mays once said, but wait, there's more. So Josh Hawley against Mayorkas here. There was a Homeland Security employee that posted this pro-Hamas, pro-terrorist, pro-genocide image on social media the day that Israel was attacked. An employee for the Department of Homeland Security? Right. And they posted a meme of like people coming in on, you know, the parachutes and the paratroopers, which ultimately was how the people at the concert were slaughtered. And apparently this person is still on the payroll of DHS, wow. Wow. which does not make Josh Hawley very happy. What's going on here? Is this is this typical of, of people who work at DHS? This is an asylum and immigration officer who is posting these, frankly, pro-genocidal slogans and images on the day that Israelis are being slaughtered in their beds. What have you done about this? 
Four things I'd like to say to you. Number one, your question to suggest that that is emblematic of the men and women of the Department of Homeland Security is despicable. I'm sorry, what have you, this person works for the Department of Homeland Security. Have you fired her? That was one of four answers. Have you fired her? One. Have you fired her? Don't come to this hearing room when Israel has been invaded and Jewish students are barricaded in libraries in this country and cannot be escorted out because they are threatened for their lives, you have employees who are celebrating genocide and you are saying it's despicable for me to ask the question? Has she been fired? You know, there are some senators you can get away with trying to filibuster and run out the clock with. Josh Hawley is not one of them. Yeah, and he totally wasn't trying to do what Mayorkas said he was trying to do, which was paint the entire Department of Homeland Security as a bunch of, you know, Jew-hating anti-Semites. Right. He said one, he was talking about one person, and he wants to know if this person's been fired. Here's a little bit more. Mr. Chairman. Mr. Secretary. After um, the consumption of Senator Hawley's time, I'd like to speak. Has she been fired? Because I will we not would like be, an answer. Would you? Because I will not be given the opportunity. Has she been fired? So uh, that individual has been placed on administrative leave. <laughs> so she's not one. been fired. Number two. Number Why has two, she not been fired? Number two. The individual was hired in 2019. Why has she not been number fired? Three. <laughs> I cannot speak to an ongoing personnel matter. Uh, why? Why has this person not been fired? Your answer is you can't speak to it. This isn't sufficient to fire her? I am not in a position to speak to an ongoing personnel matter. This that, isn't sufficient to fire her? That's what you're telling me? That is not what I'm saying. But she's still on your payroll as we sit here today. Yep. 100%. Investigative leave means getting paid and still on the payroll. Now, that wasn't the only person that was engaging with Mayorkas. Senator Rick Scott from florida it wasn't like he was doing a gotcha question here he just wanted to know if you know the head of dhs has any idea how many hamas terrorists if any have made their way across the border and you say that hamas hezbollah or other iran-backed terrorists are not in the u.s currently um, after possibly illegally crossing our southern border um, uh, Senator, uh, let me assure you that anyone who poses a threat to our national security or our public safety is an enforcement priority of ours, and we use our detention capabilities to the fullest extent. Boy, this guy. In what? A, <laughs> what? In so, a so town, so Nigel, where there are a lot of unqualified people in high positions, right? Pete Buttigieg has no idea what he's doing as a travel secretary, transportation secretary. Ha, 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 has no idea what she's doing as the press secretary. Kamala Harris. Joe Biden. (laughs) I mean, you can go up and down the list here of people who are unqualified to be in the position they're in. But if you're doing a March Madness style bracket and you're ranking most qualified down to the least, it's kind of hard to look at Alejandro Mayorkas and say you're not the number one seed. Yeah, I mean, he's up there for sure. And to not be able to answer specifically, that's why I said, I, I, that's why earlier in this segment, I said, man, I, I don't know what it's you know with me when I'm out in public. I just, I've been looking over my shoulder. Maybe I'm paranoid. Maybe that's, you know, being ridiculous. Maybe I'm a little, you know, hyperbolic. But to not be able to tell the American people if Hamas and Hezbollah have crossed over the porous southern border 
he doesn't uh, doesn't know. Right. I, I can tell you. I can tell you the answer. It's yes. And they've been here for a while. It wasn't like they just saw what happened the other day and thought, all right, yeah, now's the right, time. Right, right, right. No. I mean, we all know this is how these things work. When you have a wide open border, you're going to get groups to come in. They're going to find a way to network. The same way these scumbags that do human trafficking network, they'll get on some sort of social media channel. They'll connect and then have a good time planning about ways to hurt America. It happens. And it's been happening for a while. And the people in charge, they're okay with that. They're okay with that as long as more blue votes walk across that border. And that's pretty disgusting. This is a family in Great Britain, Hammer. They bought Grandma a wheelchair, right? So that was the gift they bought her. That was the gift. Great gift, right? (laughs) They probably should have thought that one through because here she is properly telling them to, quote, shove that where the bloody sun don't shine. Oh. I hope you got some butter and chicken because you can shove that where the bloody sun don't shine. I'm like that when I'm that old. <laughs> you know I'm going to be. I love her. Uh, I love her spirit. I like it. I like it a lot. Poor Nige when he gets that age. Okay, Grandpa, let's get some whiskey <laughs> in you and get you right to bed. <laughs> yeah, that's not an ideal gift you buy somebody. Well, she's really not going to like this cane that we got her for her birthday either. You put a big red bow on it? I don't know. Uh, did you see these numbers? Fox News crushing CNN, MSNBC, during a very heavy news month of October, where you had a lot of different storylines, the five remains the most watched show in cable news. So it looks like, Nige, Fox has survived the Tucker Carlson exit. Yeah, so much for um, bringing the uh, network down after his exit. Seems like only yesterday, Tucker was let go of Fox, and then AI Tucker started joining us on our show. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Oh, that's right. I don't have a job anymore. Why is that, I wonder? Golly, lots of other people have jobs. Absolutely terrible people. People who are beyond repugnant. How about the board of directors at Fox News Corporation? (laughs) The money that they've paid out in sexual harassment claims against certain executives and hosts at that network is greater than the annual GDP of most major countries. (laughs) But do they still have jobs? Yes, they do. How about Joe Biden? The cost of living under his administration of nincompoops is up 15% since President (laughs) Poopy Pants took office. Thousands of illegal immigrants are flooding the southern border every day. Crime is through the roof. And despite the pooper-in-chief's vigorous assurances that we were going to cure cancer, that's yet to happen. Meanwhile, the president's son, the prolific blow artist, Hunter Biden, has been accused of everything except sniffing bicycle seats. But do Hunter and the big guy still have gainful employment? Yes, they do. How about radio station WIBC in Indianapolis? 
Nigel Laskowski, or whatever the hell his name is. He can barely get through a segment without vomiting live on the air. Probably because he's drunk. Of course, that's only on the rare day that he decides to come to work and do the afternoon drive show with his fat-ass co-host, Jason Hammer. Yeah, Hammer. I called you fat. Fat, fat, fatty, fatty, fat, fat. What are you going to do about it? Not a damn thing. You're just going to sit there like the Jenny Craig dropout you are and forcibly pass gas into the seat of a chair that used to be occupied by Mike Pence. Aren't you donut dimples? Seems like only yesterday, AI Tucker became part of the Hammer and Nigel show. Top stories next. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock Lots of distractions happening all over the world to uh, for people to forget about the fact that President Biden is uh, has a, an impeachment inquiry going on. I'm sure he loves that. We'll talk about that here in just a second. Right now, Hammer, the Delphi trial set to start October of next year. About right, I think they're saying like between October 15th and the 31st, and I'm. I'm just, you know, there's two sides of the coin. I'm glad they've got it. Okay, they've got a year to prepare to, to slam dunk this guy. But your concern here is that the, uh, the guy that's been accused of killing uh, Abby and Libby, Richard Allen, you've, you've got to think about his health. I'm but, not sure this dude's going to make it until October. Now, this could all be a big show being put on by the previous defense attorneys that were working with Richard Allen. Maybe they told him, hey, you got to lose a bunch of weight. You got to look as disheveled as possible. You know, we're going to try to create as much chaos as we can and hopefully get your sentence knocked down or maybe you off the hook. But when you look at the time that he was taken into custody to now, Man, the pictures, the pictures, it's like a totally different person. Now, the important thing here is that I want Richard Allen to be alive when this trial starts next October, because I want a fair trial. Everybody deserves a fair crack at the justice system. Right. And the way this trial is going, maybe they've got all the dirt. Maybe they got the smoking gun, so to speak, on Richard Allen, but maybe they don't. I just don't want to leave anything to chance. The families of these two beautiful young ladies, they deserve to have all the information out there, cameras in the courtroom, so we can all observe. And I want Richard Allen to be there. I want him to be alive. I believe it's been five years. We're going to wait another year. It'll be in its sixth year before the trial even starts. And And there's some just bits of shenanigans from the defense in this you know the leaking of the crime scene photos Uh, we're not exactly sure who did that but it was somebody from the the law firm right or yeah somebody a former employee of the law that is really shady that person should go to jail they need to find out who that was um and i'm just you know the 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 judge fran gull is that her name i think she's pretty hardcore i think she's I, you know, I mean, she had called that meeting with the with Richard Allen's former attorneys and told them to stop the BS, and that's kind of when they decided to leave and say, "Well, you ambushed us. You're saying mean things about us." Right. And and now I I just I, I'm I'm glad we have some time now. The prosecution has some time to put a, a solid case together. Somebody sent me a message on our Instagram account, a direct message at Hammer and Nigel, that says, "Listen, you know." 
there's a lot of stuff here, and don't just assume Richard Allen is guilty. Maybe he leads to somebody else. But and again, uh, that's yeah, it's plausible. It is 100% plausible, but for all of this information to come out, Richard Allen has to be alive. He's got to be well taken care of. He's got to be well fed. He's got to drink while he's locked up in the joint. He's got to get some exercise. There can't be a Jeffrey Epstein-type ending to Richard Allen because I think everybody wants all the information out there in this trial that's going to start about a year from now. Uh, the House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer said he's got receipts, Nige. He's got some paperwork that shows that back in 2017, Joe Biden received $40,000 in laundered money from China. For- I, I'm, I'm, I'm old enough to remember during the debates with Joe Biden and Donald Trump, where Joe Biden said, I've never taken any money from China. Oh, you know who else remembers that? Yeah. James Comer, who's heading up the Oversight Committee. Remember when Joe Biden told the American people that his son didn't make any money in China? My son has not made money in terms of this thing about, uh, what are you talking about, China? Well, not only did he lie about his son Hunter making money in China, but it also turns out that $40,000 in laundered China money landed in Joe Biden's bank account in the form of a personal check. And the Oversight Committee has it. Here's how Joe Biden benefited from his family's shady deal with CEFC, a Chinese Communist Party-linked company. It all began with a shakedown in the summer of 2017, when Hunter Biden sent a message to his CEFC associate demanding a $10 million capital payment. As Hunter Biden extorted this associate, Hunter claimed he was sitting with his father and that the Biden network would turn on his associate if he didn't pony up the money. The extortion scheme worked. Days later, $5 million flowed in from a Chinese affiliate of CEFC. What do you know? Yeah, that was on the, I believe he was talking about the WhatsApp conversation. Right. I got my dad sitting right here. You want to send the money or not? And he goes on and on, and it's a long video, and we're not going to play you know, all the audio here, but he outlines exactly what family member got what, what frivolous business account it went into and they were all owned by biden's whether it was hunter whether it was the brother and ultimately it runs a full cycle and it comes back to the big guy the big guy being joe biden getting his forty thousand dollars the whole thing's a mess i retweeted the video earlier at hammer and nigel i mean i'm looking at the check right here it says uh, loan repayment loan from what <laughs> it came from china how many Bidens get money from China? <laughs> there's a long list. There's, there's a the long grand, list. There's grandkids. There's they, have dozens of, they formed dozens of LLCs, which did nothing other than to shelter and launder money. Do you think all those IRS agents that were hired could maybe, just maybe, look yeah. into what some of these mm. LLCs are? I get it. we got to send all of our attention to focus on how much Mar-a-Lago is worth. I'm well aware of that. But maybe, just maybe, check into some of these, quote, LLCs that Biden's looking into. All right. I have an update from a story we talked about earlier, Nige. I was complaining about how Chili's changed their chicken crispers. I remember, yes. I hadn't been to Chili's in a long time, so I wasn't, wasn't aware. I liked the old chicken crispers better than the new the ones. The breading on it. Right. Yeah. And I was pretty upset because, you know, I got some Applebee's yesterday and that kind of got us on this discussion about chain restaurants. Jeremy 
tweets at us at Hammer and Nigel. Here's the hack. You can order Chili's chicken crispers, but make them use blossom batter. What? I don't know what blossom batter is, but if that's what makes the chicken crispers taste like what they had before, then I'm going to be ordering blossom batter. Now, Jeremy also writes us and says, you know, he's got a family member that is employed at Chili's, and this is a little hack you can do if you're somebody like me that was ticked off when they changed their chicken crispers knife. I don't know. I'm not sure I buy blossom batter. I'm not sure that this guy knows what he's talking about, or maybe he's just trying to get on the air. Crispy onion. Here it is. Crispy onion blossom recipe from Trisha Yearwood. I have no clue. Okay, I didn't say Trisha Yearwood sent it no, to me. I, no, no, I said I a guy who's got ties to Chili's does. And I'm sorry, I believe him more than you. <laughs> I'm Team Jeremy here. So tonight, maybe tonight. No, there's the awesome blossom, right? The blossom onion. There's that, but that's not what we're talking that's about. What we're talking about. I'm talking right. about the batter that they changed on their chicken crispers. And apparently, Nigel over here owns multiple Chili's locations, <laughs> and he has a problem with what Jeremy's trying to tell us here. All right, whatever. Are you really okay? Are you okay? Everything's gonna be okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty f- far from okay. Whoa. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel. Yeah, this one's gross to me. We'll see what you think. DiGiorno is selling a Thanksgiving pizza, Hmm. which uh, features turkey, gravy sauce, sweet potatoes, green beans, cranberries, mozzarella, cheddar, some kind of crispy onion topping, and it's all on a thick Detroit-style crust. Does this interest you at all? Are you okay with a Thanksgiving pizza from DiGiorno? Yeah, I think I'm okay with it. I'll try it. I'll try anything pretty much once. I'm not optimistic. uh, But honestly, how different is that than, say, the typical pot pie? Like the Hungry Man TV dinner type of meal. Because they used to come with the turkey and the gravy and the potatoes and the sauce and the cranberries and all that. It's basically a TV dinner slash pot pie on a Detroit-style crust. Here, look. I'm going to show you a picture. What is that? What do you think? Does that look appetizing to you? No. no. <laughs> it but really you're right, doesn't. You're right about the pot pie aspect. And my wife makes a killer pot pie. So does my uh, mother-in-law. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't look great. I'm looking at the photo that you just brought up here. But, man, I do like DiGiorno's products. So, oh, yeah. you know, they've got a history of making good stuff. It's hard to say no. I'll give it a try. I'm willing to give it a okay. try. Okay, well, you they're not in stores. you got to order them online. I'm out. If you want me to work for it, I'm out. <laughs> All you got to do is go to DiGiorno.com and order online. Sounds like a lot of work. Uh, Florida Karen got upset, called the cops after a neighbor, quote, took her spot in one of the many non-reserved parking spaces. Now, I want you to listen, Hammer. As the police talk to this woman, and then the and then the guy who took her spot try to calm her down. Listen, I just and, and very make sure listen very closely at the end uh, here. 
public property. So if you want to take this to a lawyer, then by all means, I don't care. Go take it to a lawyer, okay? No crime has been committed. You guys need to get out of here. You can go in your car. You can go in your car. You can get your groceries, and we can stop this. I need his phone number because I am going to talk to him. I will give you my phone number. There you go. If he wants to give your phone number, then he can't. If he doesn't, he doesn't. And I really don't want to, but I'll give it to you for the sake of, look, we live in the same place. If we can't have good energy here, that's a bad thing. I don't know you from Adam. You just bought here from Massachusetts or wherever you're from, Maryland. I've lived here 15 years. You're a newbie. I just, yeah, I moved here a few months ago. (laughs) I need your phone number. Being a newbie has nothing to do with this. You don't need a judgment. I need that. I need a phone number so if I can. He wants to give you your phone it. number. He can. Yeah. He doesn't then he doesn't. What is it? So I can tomorrow. One eight hundred up your butt. <laughs> 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 what did, hold on, what did she want his phone number for? Like to contact a lawyer or something? Yeah, she wanted to, to like sue him? to sue him <laughs> for taking, and I can't stress this enough, a non-reserved <laughs> parking spot in her apartment complex. What is it? So I can tomorrow. 1-800-UP-YOUR-BUTT. <laughs> <laughs> to oh, answer your question, wow. yes, you I okay? am 100% okay with that guy's response because even the police... It's like they felt embarrassed having to be there on that call, especially in the state of Florida. They could be out somewhere really helping the community. Instead, this Karen's upset that somebody took the spot that she normally parks in, but it's a non-reserved spot. The only thing worse than Florida man is Florida Karen. Right? Like, Oh my gosh, that woman was awful. I wonder if the police or maybe the other guy could file a charge against her for, you know, a ridiculous yeah. use of calling uh, right. the police, right. you know, a phony police report or something. And for her to write down this information to try to sue him, sue him <laughs> for taking a non-reserve parking spot. Uh, she's the very definition of a Karen. 100%. Okay. Do you see this? Um, the Las Vegas Raiders fired coach Josh McDaniels. We all know Josh McDaniels. You'll explain, I'm sure. And uh, their general manager, are you okay with this? I love this. Yes, I am okay with this. Josh McDaniels was the assistant for the Patriots under Bill Belichick, and he had tentatively agreed to be the Colts head coach. But then, after everything was agreed upon, he backed out last minute and kind of left the Colts high and dry, and that's when they went with Frank Reich. So this guy's always been kind of a jag-off. And everywhere he's been since New England, where, oh, by the way, he had Tom Brady playing quarterback, mm-hmm. he's been a train wreck. Yeah, what, Denver? Denver, he was awful. He's been awful with the Raiders. Some people are just bad people, and you like to see him fail. <laughs> and Josh McDaniels falls in that category. And on top of that, He's a grown man that wears a visor. He's visor guy. He's visor guy. (laughs) And when I think about visor guy, Josh McDaniels, Lane Kiffin, (laughs) Steve Spurrier, they all fall into the category of a-holes, right? Sure. Unless you're a PGA Tour professional golfer, (laughs) if you're a grown man wearing a visor, you're probably an (laughs) a-hole. So I'm pretty happy today that Josh McDaniels is kicking rocks. Three expert shoemakers say Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, is probably wearing height-boosting heels and boots and lifts (laughs) to make himself look taller. Are you okay with this? 
no, I'm not okay with this because I love this is what expert shoemakers are working on right now. <laughs> Holidays are right around the corner. They're not focused on coming up with an awesome pair of shoes that everybody wants or making foot pain go away. It's whether or not DeSantis is wearing heels <laughs> under his boots, like trying to make himself look taller. Um, because there are some heel truthers that are out there on social media <laughs> with Ron DeSantis. They're focusing oh, on like the little boots that he wears when he appears on talk shows or does speeches. And there's there's the thing called lifts that you can insert inside the shoe right. or boot as well. To me, it's a nothing burger. I don't care if you're four feet eight <laughs> or six feet ten. If you can be the president that this country needs by all means go ahead if you know rick smiths or you know emmanuel lewis somewhere (laughs) in between i don't care how tall you are just do the job properly you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel when all you could come up with to criticize ron desantis is whether or not he wears lifts (laughs) right and the heel truthers that are on social media uh crack me up but if we're gonna do this thing let's do the thing all right donald trump has a long history of going after the size of his opponents so let's do Great moments and Trump <laughs> calling people little history. Okay. This was the debate, the back and forth with Marco Rubio. Let's see if he answers it. You're I will. Don't worry about it, Marco. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, little Marco. I will. Right, well, let's hear big, big Don. You're, don't worry about it, right, little. Wait. Don't worry about it, little Marco. Gentlemen. <laughs> oh man. Great moments and Donald Trump calling people little history. Remember when Michael Bloomberg got into the presidential race? <laughs> He's a little guy. He doesn't have the magic to do well. Uh, little Michael will fail. He'll spend a lot of money. Uh, he's got some really big issues. He's got some personal problems, and he's got a lot of other problems. But I know Michael Bloomberg fairly well, not too well, fairly well, well enough. He will not do very well. And if he did, I'd be happy. There is nobody I'd rather run against than little Michael. That I can tell you. <laughs> Little Michael. And this last one, so Donald Trump tweeted something about Adam Schiff. And obviously, we don't have audio if it's on Twitter, unless it's read by someone, and that someone was Randy Quaid. So funny to see little Adam shit talking about the fact that acting Attorney General Matt Whitaker was not approved by the Senate, but not mentioning the fact that Bob Mueller, who was highly conflicted, was not approved by the Senate. Great moments yeah. and Donald Trump calling people little history. The Hammer Nigel Show. Hammer right over there. My name is Nigel. Go to the hotline and bring on Tony Kennett, investigative reporter for The Daily Signal, soon to have his own show right here uh, nightly on 93 WIBC. Uh, did I Do I have this right? You're calling from the swamp? Today, that's right. I'm calling from uh, the homeless camps outside Union Station. That could be Indianapolis too, because <laughs> everything you just said oh, yeah. also goes into Indianapolis, Tony. <laughs> well, so, what are you doing? Like building bridges. Uh, I am here covering uh, the very first alternative to the Pulitzer Prize. The Dow uh, Award is uh, being given by the uh, National Journalistic Center for the Young Americas Foundation. 
And uh, some of the awards up tonight for some of these great investigative pieces over the last year um, desperately needed an alternative for the Pulitzer and its garbage that it's been throwing upon the world. And uh, really excited to see kind of who gets the Dow Award tonight and where we go in uh, decent journalism from here. Are you up for uh, anything? No, no, no. <laughs> I am. I am. I'm there to cover okay. it. I'm far too young, and uh, the, the quality of work that is up tonight far surpasses my own. These include the Twitter Files team, uh, which obviously revealed the corruption and the censorship during COVID-19 hmm. uh, between the federal government and, and institutions like Twitter, and then of course the New York Times. Um, investigations regarding uh, the New York Times hit piece uh, against Jewish schools. Uh, so a lot of different things and, and really important pieces of work up for consideration tonight. Uh, really looking forward to seeing kind of how we start taking the media back from the left. Should be good. Let me uh, start. You mentioned Jewish schools. It's it's stunning to me to see all this anti-Semitism prevalent throughout the whole world, especially after it was Israel that was, uh, you know, 1,400 innocent victims slaughtered brutally. Um, I saw the story you wrote at the Daily Signal about, the California school district where they forced Jewish students to remain silent after they were targets of uh, anti-Semitic harassment. Let's let's dig into that. What happened? So uh, I can kind of reveal even a little bit more information that we're finding out. It looks like the superintendent of this school signed a special release for the uh, student who committed the harassment uh, to come to this district because the superintendent is allegedly very close with the student's parents, who was a very vicious anti-Semite, really horrible person. And the student <laughs> approached four 11-year-old Jewish students and said, all Jews should die. Now, that doesn't sound just like anti-Zionism or like a political protest to me. All Jews should die sounds pretty anti-Semitic, you know, one, one would think. And threatening. And, yeah, very frightening, horrible, given a lot of the attacks that are going on, you know, not just uh, in Israel, but also uh, here in the United States, you know, in, in just a few miles from that school where a Jewish individual was kind of surrounded and beaten up as the the, the flag of Israel was being torn to shreds. So... The students obviously complained to the staff, you know, filed a complaint, and the staff of the school made them uh, sign what's called a no-contact contract, uh, better known as a gag order, which basically prohibits these students from talking to anyone about the situation. So you're not allowed to tell anybody, your parents, media, other students, teachers, you have to sign this gag order, which it's not entirely legal to force an 11-year-old to sign a contract. Right. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, I don't now, get it. That's in California. Let's take it to the other coast here. You've got the NYPD saying those Hamas protesters that were basically going after the Jewish students, um, they were not a threat, according to the NYPD. Like, holding up the Jewish students, threatening them. Is that the one where they were in the lunchroom? They had to lock themselves in the in one of the rooms there at the, the university? And the NYPD, yeah, so Tony, says this is not a threat. <laughs> right. Cooper Union, it's a visual arts college in New York City. Students had to lock themselves in a library, and the, the doors were shut and locked. And these pro-Hamas protesters, and again, why am I saying pro-Hamas instead of pro-Palestine? Because they are chanting the official slogans of Hamas. 
very openly and overtly, and they are beating on the doors trying to gain entry. And they, you know how we know this? We have videos of the Hamas protesters banging on the doors of the library. They had to smuggle the Jewish students out via the tunnels. They actually asked these Jewish students if they wanted to hide in the attic. Oh, my God. I mean, it, it's, it's wow. insane. And yet when we asked Cooper Union for information about the attack, when we asked Manhattan Beach in California about this harassment, they always hit us with the same thing. Well, we can't tell you anything because that would violate FERPA, the Family Education Rights and Privacy Act, which is not even how that law works. So in, we saw this with South Madison in Pendleton when there's a sexual assault case or whether there's a case of yeah. um, someone's rights being violated. Schools will not tell you anything. They'll just hold up this federal law. And they use that to keep themselves clear of any accountability because they don't want you knowing that they suck at their jobs. It's funny you see these universities that have these policies of, uh, you know, microaggression standards in place and are now have they've completely flip flopped allowing students to go around to rip down you know pictures of missing Israelis and then, you know, these pro Hamas protests and de- demonstrations. It's really kind of flipped on its head, hasn't it? It has. And and that's really what's weird here. Like, take George Mason University, uh, for instance, which, again, has all of these microaggression policies. It's actually what I'm writing about today. Uh, So good timing, Nige. Um, Mm -hmm. There's this interesting policy they have on campus, which is that they expect staff and students to intervene when they consider a microaggression taking place, which means something that's not illegal, but it still really offends you. Like and you, like you use the wrong pronoun or something like that, right? <laughs> right. And also like anything that could be vaguely considered a dog whistle for a racial offense. And so you have this student who's on video tearing down posters of Jewish not not like any kind of, hey, go Israel in the war kind of a poster, but just please pray for these children that they're released. These are Jewish children that are in the custody of Hamas. These are babies. So that's what the poster says. And there's the student tearing those posters down, which one might consider at least a microaggression. But according to Virginia law, it is uh, destruction of property. And the school decided to criticize the person taking the video. They're saying that's doxing. Wait, but but just five seconds ago, George Mason was telling everyone that stopping microaggressions was a good thing. Double standard. <laughs> Tony Kennett with us, wow. uh, investigative reporter at the Daily Signal, and starting next week, nightly host here at ninety three WIBC. Tony, you're in Washington D.C. There are a lot of unqualified stooges in position of power in Washington, D.C. So a lot of people right. bat at their jobs, from Kamala to Corinne Jean-Pierre. To Joe Biden. To Joe Biden. <laughs> Where does Alejandro Mayorkas fall in the line of people who are just god-awful at their jobs? I have never seen a person go into so many congressional hearings and just kind of open his hands to the, the the individuals in the hearings and say, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. You have someone who is literally responsible with the security of the state of the United States itself. This is someone who is in charge of basically coordinating the departments of the interior and the exterior and making sure that our country is safe for its citizens. And we have a time when Christopher Ray, the director of the FBI, is on the record in the last few days saying we are at the greatest terror threat, perhaps, in the history of the United States. We have no idea how many Hamas 
uh, affiliated individuals, how many terrorists have flooded up through the southern border. Because, again, Biden has this catch and release policy. Oh, you want to be in the United States? Well, just go on, partner. And that our own Mayorkas is supposed to literally have the fate of the security of the United States in his hands. He just... It's like it's an 80s sitcom. He's like, whoa, no, I, I don't know. It's like Barney <laughs> Fife at the, at, the, at the podium. It's insanity. And we won't impeach him. Well, of course not, because of the Democrats uh, in Congress, in the in the Senate and the House. Of course he won't get impeached. Um, they but, love the uh, job he's doing. Uh, yeah, Let more people over. Which is incredible because even Hillary Clinton back in, in 2015 and 2016, is there's videotapes of her saying that Hamas is one of the greatest threats to Israel and the United States. And that the southern border, if there's anything the southern border should be filtering, and this is from the mouth of Hillary Clinton, that we should be looking out for people from Hamas to infiltrate the United States. This is, again, verbatim what came out of her mouth. Wow. And now the Democrats are suddenly rushing to defend individuals who are responsible for letting people that will cause, not might cause, will cause the slaughter of American women and children and God knows what else into the country because it's xenophobic to suggest otherwise. My God. Tony, could you do me a favor and never, ever again use the phrase things coming out of Hillary's mouth? Can you please just do us all a favor there? Because I got a cold chill when you said that. You know, making you uncomfortable is just one of the great joys in life. What are you working on at the Daily Signal? Well, I'm, I'm currently trying to figure out why uh, George Mason University is openly defending a student that violated the law. Uh, also covering... Again, the Dow Award tonight may be actually getting back to some decent journalism principles. And there is an autism uh, teacher in Indianapolis who works with students with autism that is calling for the death of a guy who shot a deer. So uh, we'll be taking a look at that here in the next couple of weeks. (laughs) Boy, there's a lot going on. Yeah. All right. Tony Kennett on Twitter at The Tonus. Tony, thank you. Thanks, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.